Okay. Uh, can you hear the soundboard? Uh, I are, are you using it? Yeah, I'm, I'm hitting some buttons right now. Uh, absolutely not. No. All right, it's just gonna be a surprise. Oh, there we go. Did you hear that one? I did. I I heard that. Wow. That one. Heard it. Whoa. Uh, one more time. Did you hear that? No. Yes. Welcome to the show! It's the Mock Stars Podcast. I'm Evan Kunai, one of your hosts, and I'm here with Christopher Ritter. What's up? Let's kick some ass. Let's talk about magic cards. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by finding us on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, and hit that bell for more notifications. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms where you can give us a five-star review and we look super cool, just like our theme song, We're Super Cool. You can also find us on Patreon. You can support us on Patreon by joining our supporter tier where you become an official pepperhead because this is the number one podcast on the internet for Magic the Gathering and Dr. Pepper. Both those things, yeah. Both those things, and they're wonderful. Both those things are very, very fun and great. Uh, You can also join our Discord community server, where if you are a supporter on Patreon, you get access to two exclusive channels, the Shower Thoughts channel and the Dr. Pepper channel. And today... Let's just get right into it. We have a couple pre-game actions. I hope you all enjoyed that nice, deep breath of fresh air without any new magic products. Because it's, it's over. over. <laughs> it's over, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to, to kick us off, and we'll kind of go in chronological order, we got some new Doctor Who cards exclusive to a secret lair. Yeah, there's there's three of them that I can see, right? Yeah, I think uh, there. Yeah, only three new mechanically unique cards introduced. Uh, it's another way. I'm wondering if at any point in time we'll get a reskinning of these because this is uh, sort of that dangerous territory that the Walking Dead secret layer was, you know, treading on. Was that mm-hmm. hey, you can literally get these one time only. So it's kind of a, a weird thing for them to do but i'm wondering if we'll get reprints in the future if you're unaware the 14th doctor is one gruel hybrid mana a white mana and a blue mana so technically four colors is a three four legendary creature time lord doctor when you cast this spell reveal the top 14 cards of your library put all doctor cards revealed this way into your graveyard and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order you may have the 14th doctor enter the battlefield as a copy of a doctor card in your graveyard that was put there from your library this turn if you do it gains haste until end of turn so actually pretty great ability here i'm not upset about this i think it's wonderful yeah, I, I think it's a great outlet. I, I mean, on its face, four colors. Uh, you know, there's a couple companions that can get you all five colors. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, you can just do any food chain thing that you want because he uh, he's going to be your, your outlet, you know, by copying, you know, something that hit your graveyard that turn by the ETB. Yeah, there's a couple doctors out there. Um, I gotta wish I had them. Doctors in front of me. and changelings, by the way. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's actually great to note is that you can actually hit a changeling off of this with the food chain thing and have it become a copy of that. Uh, I know that we've been talking about the way that like the rules interact with things like Pantlaza, where Pantlaza says this triggers only once each turn. So when it leaves the battlefield and comes back in, you know, it's a new permanent. So it triggers again. This is going to see, and notably in the text, it says uh, it becomes a copy of a doctor card in your graveyard that was put there from your library this turn, which is why it works mm-hmm. with food chain is because you're infinitely casting the fourth 14th doctor after going infinite with you know here's the good great thing it has access to naya plus blue so um yep yeah you get academy rector you can go for uh food chain that way you can also you get access to squee a couple more efficient food chain lines and so Mm -hmm. this after generating infinite mana with squee probably this bounces up infinitely revealing pretty much every card in your library and then uh you Pick whichever doctors, whichever doctors are going to run in the deck. You're going to see them if you get this, if you pull the combo off. Well, actually, actually before we go ahead, uh, you can also draw your entire library by casting the 14th Doctor infinitely by uh, using Rose Noble in the in the same drop as your companion. Because whenever you cast a Doctor spell or a creature spell with Doctor's companion, you draw a card. Yeah, and this is... So you can have that effect in the command zone without including Squee. Right, and I think that's actually, for me, I know that... Um, the uh the dudes in the in the discord server were talking about having access to like uh, all five colors or like switching it up and having a few different ones i actually think rose noble as a doctor's companion is the best to be paired with the 14th doctor um because it's very similarly mirrors omnath and i I wonder if you just you know you play omnath instead uh but uh it's a uh, locus of creation, the four color one, because it says when it enters okay. the battlefield, draw a card. So with food chain, same color combination and everything. Food chain, it just goes infinitely. You draw your whole library. This doesn't necessarily mean you have to. Like that can also be a trap when you go and you go trigger to draw your entire library. Um, as we'll talk about later, there are a lot of, of ways to to punish card draw. Uh, in certain ways and this actually gets around that while you are casting something infinitely uh, the 14th doctor is going to allow you to see cards without having to do that just having rose noble as the companion allows you to do it if you're able to you know put a silence out there or or a grand abolisher yeah yeah i I mean i i think just big picture it's worth exploring with you know any number of the doctor's companions like i mean in the past we've liked uh K9 a lot. Uh that doesn't get you yep. the five colors, you know, but yeah, there's there's options. Yeah, I think the 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 big thing with K9 that uh that we were talking about in the Discord conversation was having the ability to neoform or eldritch evolution into um Dockside. So like that was the big conversation around K9 once it was released was like, "Oh man, like this is if we can find the right doctor and we put canine with it, we can like we can have a way easier we have way easier access to dockside if we can do that. I mean, so. you have the colors right here. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Totally. And that's I man. So do I usurp Rose Noble with canine because it's far cuter and gets to dockside easier? Worth exploring. 
for sure. <laughs> Worth exploring. Yes. Um, okay. So one of the uh, doctors that I think uh, a lot of people are talking about is the fugitive doctor in here. So if you reveal that, it enters the battlefield, you investigate. So it just comes in, you generate infinite uh, clues, and then you can just use your infinite mana to, well, you have to find infinite mana, but uh, there's also one that enters the battlefield you know, uh, and creates a treasure. Uh, which one? Uh, I'm trying to find it right now. Okay. But, uh, you yeah. also have the other like individual food chain doctors that people had looked at, like the third doctor and the eighth doctor. Yeah, the third doctor is the one I'm talking of. Uh, is the one I was meaning to talk okay, about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When the third doctor enters the battlefield, create your choice of a clue, a food, or a treasure. So there's there's a few options you have. So you're not just like aimlessly. You increase your chances, essentially, of hitting something off of this. Yeah, it gives you a few different lines, I, I feel like. Yeah, and more than anything, I think you can actually just create value out of this deck if you did want to build it to its uh, tippy-top peak CDH potential. You could. just You could build it to have it grind for value because you have access to like Ristic Study and stuff like that, but then... Mm -hmm. You can also, if you don't want to take it to the tippy-top CDH level, this is also going to make a really fun casual commander because you get to just work with all of the doctors in any way you want to in any combination, and the 14th doctor uh, stimulates all of those strategies. Yeah, for sure. If you're like playing the game to have fun, uh, I don't know any people like that, but like, uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> There you go. It, I, I mean, it's it's the doctor for you because it lets you do all the Doctor Who stuff. Like if you're enthusiastic about that IP and like that's what's bringing you into the game or like you just love that in addition to loving the game, like and you just want to play with all the cards without having to choose, like here's your option. Yeah, there's just the like, you know, to say that we don't know anybody who plays for fun. I think we, we all play for fun. We just realize how expensive the game is and that it makes yeah, yeah, things I was less just being fun. A, yeah. a little a little facetious. <laughs> totally. I've been seeing so many memes lately about the cost of what it is to build a commander deck, and uh they're all very much on the nose. Three thousand dollars is not out of the range of possibilities to build like a commander deck from scratch. Not even super optimized. Right. Yeah, that's uh Man, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, anyway, the doctor stuff, there's one other card we haven't talked about yet. The Celestial Toymaker. This is an Esper Commander, legendary creature, rogue artificer. Just costs one white, one blue, and one black. Whenever the Celestial Toymaker attacks, look at the top three cards of your library. Exile any number of them in a face-down pile and the rest in a face-up pile. Defending player chooses one of those piles. Put that pile into your hand. So a factor fiction type effect. At the beginning of each end step, each opponent loses two life for each spell or ability that caused one or more players to guess or to group cards or permanents into a pile this turn. Two, four. That's a lot of clauses to figure out what this what's going to happen. I am so shocked. This actually. I feel like it doesn't work within the rules and they're just like, we're going to write a new page for it. We're going to write a few dozen more paragraphs to make sure this works the way we want it to. Yeah, we're going to see the uh, the uh, gatherer updates when, when this publishes. Right? Yeah, this just seems like such an insane effect. Uh, yeah, I don't... They've printed a lot of different cards that actually allow you to group things. So... 
Each opponent loses two life for each ability. I, you got to get a lot of triggers off of this. You, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how you get a lot of triggers off of it because, like, because what? Like, if you're gonna make a pile, a lot of times you're just trying to win right there, right? Totally. Uh, I guess intuition. Uh, no way. Yeah, into- hostile negotiations, things like that. Like, I like those effects, but they're, I, I just don't see the way to take advantage of it. Yeah, and two life for one trigger isn't like notably powerful i know that like two life starts to matter after a certain amount of time but i would say you probably have to get about 10 of these triggers to like really contribute to the overall outcome of the game evan are you saying that you need like 10 triggers where a player loses two life to like affect the outcome of the game yeah i do think that I, I think that's a little little preview of what we're going to talk about. <laughs> on the main topic. I almost knew what you were getting at, and then you're. I was like, ah, we're not there yet, though. Because Sorry. yeah, no, I'm just you know a little preview. Yeah, you're yeah, you're excited. People listening to the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Stay tuned. We're going to be talking about ten triggers that affect the outcome of the end of the game, but. That is, these aren't the only three cards that we saw in the last week since you heard from us last. We also have, la 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 la, new cards from Murder at Karlov Manor. Uh, it's Ravnica based, so we're seeing a lot of new, st- a lot of familiar stuff, characters that uh, we've seen in the past, but then we're also seeing a new character. Uh, I'm wondering if we're going to get a. Um, knives out secret layer for this because it yeah, is... I wouldn't be surprised I mean they I mean they have the clue IP already tied in yes oh yeah I totally forgot about that yeah there's a so along with these spoiled cards which Wizards of the Coast came out they gave us a little teaser trailer and said hey stay tuned January 16th is when we're going to start revealing you know like spoiling the cards for Karlov Manor and then no less than 24 hours later, they're like, ah, here's 20 cards. Um, so just to go through a few of these cards, the thing is, it does. I'm still very comfortable in where I am uh, mentally as a Magic player. Like while this is new content and this is like new cards for us to look at and preview, n- all of them are ass. So none of them really make me think too much about them. So there's not really uh, anything yeah. here that excites me. Yeah, Aurelia, the law above, uh, it's it's not a very powerful card. One of like, the softest uh, set like stacks pieces I've ever seen. Yeah, you it to trigger it you have to like attack with three or more creatures. And that's or five or more, right? Right. Whenever well that's the thing, is that and it can be like it is universal. It's whenever a player attacks with oh, three okay. or more. Yeah. Or whenever a player attacks with five or more, which so like you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm going to swing. They're going to swing at me with three creatures while Aurelia is out. I will draw a card. Awesome. You know, like that's awesome. I just don't see that happening all that often. Um, the thing is, it doesn't care about whether or not and this is unilateral to like it actually gets better with commander where it's like, I guess if you're playing against um, Timna, Timna the Weaver, this like most of the time Timna will put out three creatures and then swing all three at different players. And so like there you get it. It doesn't matter if you swing them out at different people. It's not whenever a player attacks one player. It's whenever a player attacks with three or more creatures. 
Um, mm. So there is that potential of it being that. It's just five mana. So yeah, I I mean yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. Like for the cost, it's it's not great. Like it, it's five mana. You get flying vigilance haste on a four four body, which which is an okay rate, but the abilities aren't doing a lot. No, yeah, and I guess in it's it's just a rare. It's not a mythic here. This I think this is the first time that Aurelia really hasn't been the mythic or the chase card from a set in at least in like a standard format. Yeah, you, you know what? That might be my expectation. Like yeah. where my expectations are set on like her power level. Extra combats, um bo- like buffing and boosting creatures or being just like for the set mechanic. Aurelia usually is like exemplifies what that set mechanic is. Um, and this time we're just getting something that's pretty generic, which is fine. It's just, I think it's in limited when you're going into a pre-release or whatever, this thing's going to win you games. And uh, I'm glad that they're still designing cards like that, that aren't just mm-hmm. like, you know, being thrown into the pool to be amazing in standard. And, you know, like the whole limited format is still very well balanced. And I think that's where this is like, oh, my opponent can't crack back at me. Otherwise, I get card advantage. Oh, mm-hmm. my, you know, if they really crack back at me with five or more creatures, then, um, you know, they're going to take they're going to take damage and then I'm going to gain life. So it incentivizes your opponents in limited to stay home instead of like swinging out at you. So they're going to have to build something either really big on one creature, but a mirror match Whoever has Aurelia in Boros is going to win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, for sure. It's a limited bomb. Totally. Uh, we oh, do get... You know what? Uh, oh, go ahead. Up? I was going to say, a card that I do think is pretty good is from the uh, Clue drop, I think. Uh, Senator Peacock. Did you see this yeah, one? Yeah, three and two blue legendary creature human advisor. Artifacts you control are clues in addition to their other types and have pay two, sack it, draw a card. Whenever you sacrifice a clue, target creature can't be blocked this turn. <laughs> yeah, I think this is crazy. Yeah, I, it, is, does the layering work for that to combo off Academy Manufacturer, just like anytime you're creating a treasure or oh. anytime you're creating an artifact? Yeah, 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 you could. Okay, yeah, wow. there's something right there. Artifacts you control are clues in addition to their other types and have blah this blah that so whenever you would create a clue well uh, uh so uh Art- academy of Fanny- academy manufacturer is going to be a replacement effect so it won't mm-hmm. be whenever you like uh create uh like something that's not a clue or treasure you know well that's that's what i'm asking is that how the layering works because they're not entering aren't they entering as clues but it's a replacement effect um yeah so they uh they're not entering as clues they'll enter as whatever they are created as and then when they are on the battlefield they'll be seen as clues got it bummer so, yeah kind of a just like a blanket thing they they enter the battlefield as clues but they aren't created as clues or as treasures oh, or, is that the uh the text on academy manufacturer yeah it's whenever you would okay. create it replaces that effect so got it yeah no this is great uh notably it is a legendary advisor so a lot of people are going to be going crazy with their persistent petitioners because this is i think one of the first i know that a lot of people like um grand arbiter as as that commander you know because you get access to white as well but this is a mono blue option for persistent petitioner decks Okay, that's something. Oh, and 
just just everyone beware watch if you have shock lands and you have any value in them and you you want them to maintain their value i'm sorry it's just not going to happen we're also getting borderless versions of all the shock lands in the clue set and we're also getting uh old border treatments of shock lands in the actual set so i don't know if shock lands are coming back to standard uh with this like with this set or not like whenever we go back to ravnica we see them in some form so um that's just speculation one thing we do get back uh, i i do think though like for the health of the game kind of they should be printed into the ground oh totally i, I mean it, it it sucks for people that invested in them but like you know people need access to them it sucks for people like me who bought the Infinity galaxy foil shock lands thinking that oh wow these are gonna be a great investment for my collection <laughs> dude Sorry. yeah no it hurt it hurt but i i don't have them anymore so that's great they can't go down any further since i don't have them but we are getting one card back into standard, which I'm super excited for. We're getting Lightning Shock. Helix back. Yeah, Lightning Helix. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yes, and Shock, because Play With Fire wasn't strong enough. All right, that, that it was too strong. Sorry. Uh, Lightning Helix deals three damage to any target, and you gain three life. It was amazing. It was a powerhouse in uh, Modern for a while before mm-hmm. Modern Horizons started like peeking its head around the corner yeah no that it's a great card yeah and we're also getting a really cool piece of white removal which i haven't i i don't think this is a reprint but it's amazing it's called not on my watch one in a white instant exile target attacking creature full stop uh white has i think similar effects i not uh it's mechanically similar to other cards yeah, in the past, I think they've had stuff that for this same mana value that has been like deal five damage to target mm-hmm. attacking creature. Yeah, usually something like that, like four damage, five damage. Yeah, and now we get Put a just, stun counter on it. Yeah, yeah, which I think is just evergreen. Now we're never not going to see stun counters because we do see them again in the set uh, with the card out cold, a common that can't be countered um, that taps. Two car- to up to two target creatures and puts a stun, con- stun counter on each of them, and then you investigate. Yeah, there's. Is, do you, do you know if Crashing Footfalls is being printed into standard, or is that like a uh, this attached is, to another product? So this is something that they're. It's labeled special guest on Mythic Spoiler, but uh, this is this in the same vein as the Mana Crypts from uh lost caverns of ixalan so these are not standard legal but they you do have the potential of pulling them out of like uh i think it's just collectors boosters maybe set boosters who as well. knows what products do what yeah exactly <laughs> but it's yeah. the same as the mana crypt from lost caverns so we're going to be getting even more cards that are getting uh like valuable like reprints like i think this card is still turning out to be very very good in modern so uh, whoever is still playing uh, Rhinos in Modern will get a cool new artwork, which I actually think it's pretty sick. If you're if you haven't seen it yet, go out and take check it out. It's oh yeah, no, I love the artwork on it. Like that's uh that's what grabbed my attention. Totally, and uh, really, I I I'm not one to buy products like 
at least not in a mass, you know, like I might get a pack or two every once in a while to, to feed that, to scratch that itch. But, um, I would be, I would feel really lucky to have gotten something like that in a pack if I decided to splurge one day. It's pretty yeah, cool no, that they're doing feel that. Great to pull that, right? Totally. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're seeing some new stuff from, uh, from Ravnica murders at Karlov Manor. Uh, I will say that we have gotten our sleuth Alquist Proft. Master Sleuth won a white and a blue legendary creature human detective. Uh, not uh, totally busted for a mythic, but it is a 3-3 with vigilance when Alquist Proft, Master Sleuth, enters the battlefield, investigate, and then it has Azor's ability. Pay X, white, blue, blue, tap, sack a clue, you draw X cards and gain X life. So uh, a much lower floor for that ability to get in the door by putting Alquist out for three mana. But uh, still the same activation cost, plus the addition of having to sacrifice a clue. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it, it's uh, okay, I think, is where I'm landing on that. Yeah, uh, I think that's pretty much it for the stuff that we're seeing right away. I will say in Popper, Demand Answers is really good, but that's it. All right. Yeah, I, do you fee- do you get the feeling that the set is going to have uh, something that is attractive to you, like based on what you know about like the commander decks or anything like that? You know, I have been looking like looking at these cards here. Like, I don't see anything right away. I'm actually um, not interested in any of these cards. Like, I that's you know ultimately why I'm not super. Like you usually get caught up in the in the hype or something like that, and this one I might just let slide right by and just pay attention to whatever uh, comes up on arena, or, or might be valuable. Have you been uh, Have you been grinding on arena? I've just been playing uh, historic brawl here and there. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> I enough. finally built Sovereign Okinekahau, and I love it. It's amazing, and I think that in we are talking about in Brew Buddies. Uh, or shower thoughts we were talking about uh, stacks decks that can actually win without being five colors and we're talking about elevir a little bit and then i thought whoa okineka how would actually be crazy as a finisher in that deck because like most of your creatures are going to be plus x plus x you know with the number of enchantments you have i i've got high hopes for it but i love the card i i've been having a lot of fun with it on arena Okay, fair enough. Uh, would you ever want to do like a uh, deep dive on on it? On Elevir or on Arena? No, on, you know, this deck you're playing. Oh, dude, yes. Uh, let's do one soon. Let's definitely do one soon because uh, okay. I've, yeah. I have plenty of experience with it now and have noticed some like uh, some of the weaknesses and some and uh, it's majority strength, but I've noticed a, a few weaknesses as well because it's uh it's it's got a little bit of you know gaps where you can work in. The ward two does help, but um there there's some really cool cards that you can play that take advantage of that ability, like Awakening of V two Gazi, crazy card in that deck. So okay, yeah, we'll talk about it. In, Exciting to hear about it. Yeah, in the near future. But today. Our main topic, card draw. Is it really that good? Is it really the greatest mechanic in the game? 
I. Uh, you know, is it? Is it good? Has it ever been good? Is it? <laughs> it is. It is. Let's just. Uh, I'm. I'm just gonna go forth and say that it is absolutely the best mechanic in the game. We it's see. The best, it's the best thing you can do in the game besides winning. Yes. Is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like having more information. That's ultimately what we as players are all striving for in order to give ourselves the best chance of winning the game is drawing more cards gives you more information, gives you more options, and gives you a better chance. Now, in recent memory, we've been seeing more and more cards introduced into the meta or created just in general that, uh, well, punish card draw a little bit more than we've seen in the past making it less good it well let's just be real it doesn't make it less good because some of these pieces are situational and you really have to go either dig them out and put them onto the battlefield and then they're subject to removal or or whatever it doesn't make card draw worse it it, also obviously doesn't make it worse because the number one thing people still want to do is draw cards it just punishes it a hundred percent and they aren't it just really depends how greedy they are. And most players at the highest level are greedy because life doesn't matter until it's gone or unless you're playing Adnaz. So a few of the cards and one of the cards that we actually brought up on our top 10, well, two cards on our top 10. Oh, wait, three, three cards on our top 10. Three cards. CDH. Four cards. Now, it's definitely three. It might expand to four, but okay, three cards Oh, let's start with the one ring because it doesn't necessarily punish card draw. It instigates it and it is one of the best card draw engines in the game right now. It punishes you very minimally, minimally for, for drawing cards with the bird encounters. I I love this card and it's can see play everywhere. I wanted to know just how prevalent it had become. And so I was trying to look into some statistics lately at like modern, like um, more recent tournaments, like CDH tournaments and how prevalent this card is. And I went through the top 16 of the uh, two most recent tournaments on CDH at the top 16. And there were 5% of decks without it. That meant 95% of decks in the top 16 we're playing it and it it just it doesn't surprise me but it is shocking a little bit to see how prevalent it has become already it is being considered an automatic include into uh into pretty much every deck that can that can afford to run it well i i mean if uh ristic study was available to run in every deck would you run it in every deck a hundred percent you know okay uh, yeah, it, that's like easy. Yes, that's there are so many strategies that actually falter because they they sacrifice card draw for power in some way, you know, like and if those strategies that were powerful by sacrificing card draw also had card draw, let's say with a colorless Ristic study, then yes, like you just like Hapatra is a is a deck that like I love it. I love playing it and I think it's explosive, but the one thing that Hapatra lacks is the ability to draw cards and it is in a color or it's in a color set that has trouble generating card val- like card advantage uh, unless you're mm. playing, you know, unless you're using tutors, in which case you're still not generating card advantage. You're just 
you know, sort of um, going adjacent. It's one for one. Yes. Yeah. One for oneing a lot of cards. And the one ring gives that deck life by uh, allowing you to see more and potentially combo more quickly. Mm -hmm. Well, can I ask you this? Like, Mm -hmm. instead of saying, okay, the one ring is ubiquitous and it's in every deck. Um, does that actually open up the playing field? Because then now every color has access to card draw and like excellent card draw. Um, and it, maybe it enables new strategies that like, you know, the, the missing piece was access to great card draw. Yeah. I, I, I will say that the, the best decks just got better with it. Um, the one thing I think that it yeah, does. But I mean, that's going to happen every time. Like, you know, so, if a great card is printed, it's going to make the best decks better because they're the best decks already and they play all the best cards. But like, you know, they're already drawing a lot of cards. It's just another effect that they're already getting in that deck. Right. It's not adding anything new to it. Whereas like some of these uh, lower tier decks, it's adding something new that the deck was like missing, which is super efficient card draw. Yeah, and it's massive. Usually, it's a massive addition. It, it plays a huge part in how those decks play and how they play out. So, yes, I will say that it does close the gap slightly, ever so slightly. I'm not sure if it like really as much as I think it does. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I it's a, maybe a non negligible effect. Let's say. Yeah, I think it's just hard to happen upon it. Like if you mulligan and you, you know, mulligan aggressively to pick it up or have the mana to be able to play it. Uh, yeah, it's going to make a huge difference in how the game plays out for you. Because but I mean, white has access to one mana and uh, two mana artifact tutors. Helps you get it. Totally. Yeah. Enlightened tutor. I think it might, unless you're playing a very particular strategy like food chain or whatever, it might just be or in. Yeah, it might just be the best new target for Enlightened Tutor. I think it's pretty easy to say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's like early in the game, you might go for a mana crypt to help give you a boost. But other than that, like if you already have the mana available or if you're already looking like, oh, man, it's a super explosive hand, like Gemstone Caverns and a few other things. Yeah, I'm going to tutor for one ring before I even start my first turn. That seems mm-hmm. yeah like a really great option. But yes, card draw is amazing and so we got a new card the one ring that absolutely allows every deck to draw um well on an equal playing field there are other cards you have to include so if you know obviously there are some cards and commanders that have card draw staple to them so they have a little bit of advantage they're a little bit better for it but this does allow a lot of decks to sort of like step up and, and play in the big boy uh arena you know or in the into their big boy boots. But uh, the two other cards in our top 10 that I think is more where this discussion is going to, like this is where our discussion is going to surround, is punishing card draw. And Shieldred, the Apocalypse, might just be one of the greatest additions to CDH if you're willing to play a Chunky Mama for four mana one of the greatest additions to CDH that I've seen in a long time. On Saturday, I was at Laughing Dragon MTG in Issaquah celebrating their one-year anniversary. Huge shout-out. Congratulations, guys. Uh, it was Love a lot guys. of fun. Best. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, huge shout. Um, but I sat down, played a bunch of games, and one thing that I noticed is that when Shieldred hits the battlefield, 
the entire game sort of focuses in around it and says, oh, oh, I, this is uh, this is harder to deal with than I thought. You're it, suggesting that we uh, we maybe undervalued it. Like, yes, it might. It, it should have been top five, probably. It could have crept up there. You know, it's it's obviously not cracking one or two. I think we are pretty solid on, you know, one and two. But mm-hmm. I think it could definitely rise up in the ranks and you could see it more and more at the competitive level because as we're seeing is decks are becoming chunkier because the value in chunky cards is actually higher or greater than what we had previously anticipated. We thought, you know, keeping everything low to the ground is is the way to be because you want to be moving fast. You have to be, um, well, efficient. And we're learning that if you mulligan just to get a great start or mulligan for card advantage or mulligan for mana that allows you to get to four mana, then it's actually kind of amazing what you can do uh, at what is the highest level so shieldred once it comes out each opponent is going to lose two life when they draw a card now having access to the one ring everyone having it is excellent because they are going to be punished even more so for tapping and activating and drawing cards and it's in rhystic studies also punished for it and you just are likely not going to pay. You're going to make them choose, you know, because Rhystic Study is a May, they can choose whether or not to do it. Most people are going to, but it gets to a certain point where if you're allowed to possess Shieldred for a certain amount of time, life totals are going to dwindle very quickly. And so now... Yeah, I mean, those those little two-life pings that add up every time that, like, you're drawing cards. And also, it's it's gaining life for the player that controls Shieldred. Yeah, in creating just a, a bigger gap. And I think yep. that the a lot of people will say that, like, well, life doesn't matter until it's gone. And, like, I say that. And in CDH, having a ton of life doesn't really do anything for you. It just keeps you from dying from combat damage or mm-hmm. from other things like uh, one ring triggers. So if you have the one ring and shielded out, just freaking ggs and you're because you're going to be picking up so many cards in order to protect it that it if your opponents try to interact with it at all it's just (laughs) it's a fruitless effort and you're going to do everything you can to protect it because it's the one thing keeping you alive from killing yourself with the one ring now two life doesn't sound like it's that much we know when we see it in standard that it it is 10 percent of your or it's uh yeah, it's it's ten percent of your life total, which is which is massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and in CDH, we're seeing it as a five percent loss. So, how many? And and we see like Orcish Bowmasters, which is the other card from our top ten that punishes card draw, it creates technically card advantage, but with the Orc Army. But um, when it comes in and it starts shooting people in the face, one damage is well relatively unnoticeable. A lot of people will just brush it off, and then when their life total gets low enough, then they'll start to respect it, use a piece of removal on it, get it out of there. But two life seems to be just the magic number, and I think we learned how powerful it is with Talion, that when you when they hit something and, and you draw a card, they lose two life, it, it starts to become noticeable. So we're finally seeing a card that does enough to justify playing... 
against a Ristic Study One Ring meta. Its its effect is significant enough, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I mean, and you've played some games with it and against it. How many like triggers is each player is each player seeing from that? Like, you know, like what are you saying on average each player is going to lose from it? Each player on average, I would say, was losing four life a turn. Like, and Oof. yeah, Oof. okay, because like they need to find an answer for it, and it's one you know, pretty much the only way you're going to be able to do that is by drawing cards. If you tutor something mm-hmm. and like tutor it to the top, vampiric tutor, you're gonna have to draw a card, get that thing right back right in your hand. So a lot of people were just walking right into it. The thing was, is that I, I've never seen it before. Um so this is like a guy played a one ring right into it. So he just saw the shieldred and he's like, I really gotta find an answer for shieldred. I'll cast a one ring taps it <laughs> you know and then two or three turns later he's like tap draw three lose six and it's like yeah it it is a significant chunk and when they got down to 10 it was like i can't tap the one ring because it's at four now and i will literally take the one ring damage untap it draw five die and mm-hmm. like it's one of those things where it gets people low enough shieldred is there to well just put pressure on in a way that we haven't really seen before where like usually when people get low on life totals with adnos or whatever it's like you know whatever i'm at two life i adnos down this far i have enough in my hand to to win the game usually requires some sort of card draw after that it puts a clock on the table totally yeah and uh that's why it's significant enough to have a discussion about i think it's um, with all the things we're seeing now with ways to like punish card draw, this one I think is the most significant. Now, uh, Orcish Bowmasters is much lower to the ground, which is why I think it still um, exceeds Shieldred in value because... Yeah, I, I, I think Orcish Bowmasters is like auto-include versus Shieldred is kind of you're probably going to include it is that kind of the difference right it's it's one of those things where people are will eventually come around bowmaster if you're in black auto include and we sort of said it last week where we view bowmaster's ability as like a black dockside the black version of dockside and you're just sitting there and you're like well there's no possible way that shieldred could ever be that and uh i, I this is a card where I think we're just rethinking where the top end is in CDH. There has been a lot of discussion on, you know, like if you're playing something for four mana, then it like absolutely has to be critical to what you're doing or has to be a combo piece. Like if you're going for Dockside Loops, like Teamer Sabretooth and Emil the Blessed are usually the top end, like mm-hmm. because they're critical to the, to the combo. Now, to have something at four mana that is just value and is meant to punish card draw which people have usually been able to go about unabated unless you know counter magic is involved well i mean it has kind of like gravity to it like because it's saying like okay don't listen we're all trying to draw cards and you can draw as many cards as you want but if you don't get that answer soon and you don't like do it and you're not drawing cards efficiently then you're going to lose this game like you know it sort of it changes the format a little bit 
Totally. Because there are other cards that have been printed in the past that also have been, uh, well, known to punish card draw or card draw outside of the first one in each of your draw steps. Notion Thief, one of them, still a great card, still seen in plenty of deck lists. Uh, Consecrated Sphinx. And as players sit there and they rethink what the top end is of a deck, like six mana becomes justified after a certain point if the game mm-hmm. goes long enough and you're running reanimator strategies. But but those two cards, you know, notably and and the other effects like that, they kind of trade you cards for cards or like yes. take away your ability to draw cards. You know, what we're doing differently here is trading life for cards and forcing that effect on you. Yeah, most people would say that, yeah, I'll trade I'll trade life for cards. We see it with Necropotence, you know. Um, but yeah, this but is... o- Necropotence and Adnals are only good when you're making that decision, like when you're in control of that decision. Yeah. Like it feels real bad to have Necropotence out and not get your draw step and also have a low enough life total that you have to really think about how many cards you're going to grab with it. Totally. I, and that's the biggest thing is control. And you have no control over this. And that's the same thing that Bowmasters takes away from you is the ability to wheel. Like I see Wheel of Fortune less and less. I haven't seen it. I've seen it, uh, let's see, in that one uh, Obnix list game. That was the last time I saw it in a deck list. And I haven't seen mm-hmm. it since because Bowmasters is so oppressive. Um, but this is now we're in a we're in an era where... And it might just be the Pacific Northwest meta at the moment, but now that we're seeing stack stacks, five color stack stacks most notably, that are rising to the occasion to interact with and stop a turbo meta from existing, they're uh, they're pushing games into the deeper turns where politics is more important and that's where people win games. And so they've put another piece into the mix with Shieldred that says, I'm going to take away control of, you know, your way out of the game, which is usually drawing cards or getting card advantage in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I like about it. In uh, when now we're, I don't know, I think we do have some pioneers in the Pacific Northwest as far as contributions to CDH and how the format is developing. I wonder how far and how influential like this chunky new format that seems to be well i'm not sure if it's beginning here but it has been flourishing here for a while i wonder how effective it's going to be at the national level we're already seeing content Gotta creators be you. like i i look at edh top 16 sometimes and i'll look at tournament results and i'll be like what where did these deck what is this collection of deck lists yeah like the meta can be that different totally um so at the same time, at the same time, I'm like as interested on seeing what effects, uh, you know, if there's something similar going on, like because you can, see, like I said, this card has gravity. You can see it having gravity. Like it's it's obviously good. And as soon as it start, you know, as soon as it sees more play, I, I think there's going to be it's it's pretty ubiquitous already. It's going to see even more play. Yeah, there was. So I was, I was talking to Antonio about uh, playing Rogsai and. He was just saying that, like, Rogsai is you take your shot. And if your shot is interacted with at all, you just lose. You're just not able to do anything for the rest of the game. So when I hear that, I go, well, 
is it a matter like is is politics influencing like the game more than we think like where it's like people are a little bit more afraid to take their shot with Rogsai or to play the, these turbo decks in general if only one piece of interaction is what is enough to stop them from winning the game i i really think that that sort of encourages a meta that strives for the mid game to shoot their shot or find a gap and really thrive there and that might be just the way that the game moves there will still be turbo decks out there for uh, you know for the time being and and will find a way to flourish once again but i think now we're seeing that people are more encouraged to thrive in the mid game with cards like shieldred and the one ring instead of pursuing turbo strategies yeah, a lot of these cards, I, I think, uh, they're super, super powerful, but I don't feel like they're overpowered in a bad way because what they do is open things up. Like like I was saying earlier, like the one ring opens things up. Shouldred, you know, even though it's forcing that effect on people, like it, it opens things up by like making it more mid-range in, in terms of the meta. Yeah, and it, the... Saturday night I saw so many cloning effects and this is our this is our chance to shout flesh duplicate it which is a uh, great card yeah a uh, two blue enters as a copy of any creature on the battlefield and grants it vanishing three yes is that correct yep yeah. so uh it's another sort of phantasmal image it uh should have been in our honorable mentions and potentially cracked the top 10 of CD- cards in CDH from 2023. It really is. Yeah, I think we forgot to talk about all the Doctor Who cards, basically. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's it's a great card. And the thing is, I, I didn't play a single game on Saturday without seeing it. So that tells you how, how good it is and how people are valuing it. But I put Shieldred out, and one of, like, almost the first reaction was to create, was for a player to create a clone of Shieldred so that they didn't die to it. And so that ever the two other players lost four life instead of two. Ooh. So yeah, that's nasty. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm going to clone Shieldred. And then we started, had to burn our removal on the clones of Shieldred so that, uh, we could control the game and control how much life was being lost. So, it just got out of hand. I think they in one game, Shieldred was cloned four times, and we hmm. had to use the removal on it, just like on the clone, because a so phantasmal like a, image. That's a eight eight life swing every card. Yes. Oh wow! And w- me possessing Shieldred and the One Ring allowed me to basically go up to like fifty life, and everyone was at like fifteen or less. So, mm-hmm. like. Being able to possess the card advantage and the thing that is controlling your opponents uh, or forcing your opponents to lose life is just, it's its a different level of high uh, that I haven't experienced before because I'm most mostly I go for like combo kills. This was just sheer value. And that is what I think I was not seeing by playing Naya all the time was I was very much focused on walking one specific line to combo off and win the game. I wasn't focused on like grinding value, interacting and just keeping the game going. And uh, yeah, man, it, it's a different way of playing the game for sure. Yeah. I, I think that the mentality that, um, do, do you think as a deck builder, that's a direction you're going to head? 
Oh, totally. We've been talking on Brew Buddies with Guy about this Indominus Rex like Dino Dredge build. And it's actually really interesting because it's a strategy that uh, now that I've contributed to the deck list has become so much more interesting now that you know, these are colors that I'm normally not into. But the fact that the like you draw cards off of the ETB trigger, you know, it gets whatever counters are put on it, you draw cards equal to the number. We've just been talking about all these different cards that I otherwise would not have a place in any CDH deck that now contribute to just grinding value and drawing cards with Indominus Rex. So things like Master Biomancer or uh, Master Chef or, you know, stuff like that. So, and now that we've been talking about Elevir more, stuff like that, just, I, I'm just re-interested in, or I'm, I'm developing interest in alternate strategies that focus on grinding card value, drawing cards, and then also punishing players for doing the same thing. That's exciting. Uh, you know, I'm excited to where you, to see where you go with like uh, your deck list because obviously, you know, the way you build, you have a very unique perspective on the game and but you've been stuck in Naya colors forever. Like, I have never seen you tap uh, a land to produce black mana. Never <laughs> seen it happen. Uh, like, rarely see you play blue. Like, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what you come up with for sure. Yeah, because... I think ultimately for every player out there, you're all unique in your own ways and how you decide what cards and what slots to rotate. And that's just like the thing I'm excited to get back to is that that grind, man, that that experience of taking like slotting cards in and out for the most effective strategies so that I can either, you know, shoot my gap or like fly under the radar so to speak. And I think Indominus Rex is really cool because you can actually play Shieldred. And if you discard it to its effect, it gives Indominus Rex a death touch counter and you draw a card. So there is outside value if you're not able to cast it and you'd rather go for the Rex. Pretty cool stuff. I'm stoked for it. <sighs> uh, we forgot to talk about another card, I think, and then that's it. Woo! What card did we forget? Uh, we forgot to mention Lotho in our count. Oh, yes, we did forget to mention Lotho. That definitely is a top 10 card in CDH from 2023. And we are so sorry for not getting it in the like getting it right the first time. God, that card has just contributed to so well to partially to the conversation we're having now where uh, it allows big mana decks to exist because it comes in at such a low cost. One white, one black. Whenever a, whenever a player casts their second spell each turn, you create a treasure and lose one life. So really great mana advantage. And I think that uh, Lotho is going to be something we're going to see for a long time. And it's one of those auto-includes if you're in those colors, I feel like. Yeah, it, it's a card that I've been playing since it dropped, and I don't know why we forgot to talk about it. Yeah, it was weird. I, I, I don't know why it slips through the cracks. Like in, it, it was weird, really, to like look back on it and be like, "Oh, that's a big whiff." Oops. But that's okay. We got it back. We got it on the on the on the way back around. There's still time to fix things. Maybe. Anyway, Ritter, anything else you want to talk about uh, considering card draw itself? 
No, man, it's still the best thing to do in the game. I think it is rad that the one ring, I, I really do feel like it opens things up a little bit to enable strategies that like, you know, there's there's so many color combinations where you just don't have access to great card draw or like, you know, you have your commander, you know, chosen to do one thing, but it doesn't have card draw attached to it. Um, and uh, the one ring is just super, super efficient. You know, the comparison I made is like, if you could play colorless Ristic Study in every deck, would you? And and that's where I am on it. Like, I, I think that's a good thing. Um, and I also feel the same way about Shouldred. I, I feel like um, it's a super powerful effect, uh, but at the same time, it's a uh, the universal effect that it's having on the meta is, I think, good. You know, I, I think it's it's opening things up instead of closing things. Yeah, and for I think for as long as we've or as long as I've been interested in CDH, which I'm still relatively new to it, I think when new sets would drop, I would just sort of like pick one or two cards out and like sort of like give them a shot. And I think I'm looking back and realizing that there are more cards in each set that have value in different ways because of the way the meta has changed or the way that the speed of the game has changed with the introduction of things like the one ring. Because protection until your next turn turns out really good. Yeah, we did not talk about that at all, did we? No, but that's fine. This isn't a one ring episode. This is a card draw and a card advantage uh and how you know we what punish uh, that. a controversial uh or not controversial opinion uh, every episode is kind of going to be a one ring episode from here on out <laughs> yeah. until it stops being well one of the top five cards in cdh or just in in commander in general yeah we probably will mention it pretty often it's amazing and uh another thing that the protection does i noticed it stops blue farm players from punching you and getting card advantage. So you don't have to hold up any blockers. You just throw the one ring down, and when they go to swing at you with Timna, they get nothing off of it, or if they swing at you with anything. So it, you it know does. What? You convinced me the thing that's good is also good. Yeah. It's even gooder than you thought. Yeah. Extra good. All right. Well, that does it for us here at the Mock Stars podcast. This has been wonderful. Ritter, I think we really kicked some ass today. Oh, we we kicked all kinds of ass. Yeah, up and down, dude, up and down. I I came here to chew bubblegum and kick some ass. And uh, you know what? I I got a pack of juicy fruit here that as soon as I get off mic, I'm going to start chewing it. I got the hubba bubba over here and I actually have a pack of that uh Big League Chew. Ooh, Big League Chew. Yeah, I haven't heard that one in a while, have you? I haven't. No, that is uh, one of those classic uh, terrible gums that uh, is exciting, but uh, loses flavor almost immediately. <laughs> like 15 seconds. And yeah. That's it. That and bubble tape. Bubble tape was. was yeah. Bubble tape, uh, fruit stripe gum, uh, like all the exciting man. bubble gums were just like all flash, uh, no substance. What it was like to be a 90s kid. Sheesh. All right. Are, are we expanding the brand uh, to include bubblegum on top of Dr. Pepper? Uh, Big League Chew exclusively. Okay, got it. Or bubble Heard tape. It. Or bubble tape. Which one Ooh, do you want to do? Bubble tape, yeah. All right. I would prefer bubble tape, I think. Well, well, okay. I'm in. 
I'm all in on the bubble tape. If they Tell you had what, the, how about we pull the Discord? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll actually pull the Discord and uh, see what you guys think. And that's also a great plug to join our Discord server if you haven't already. We're popping off on there, having a lot of discussion lately about, well, just magic in general. And now we're going to be having a lot of discussion about what is the crown jewel of bubblegums. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by finding us on YouTube, where you can like, subscribe, and hit that bell for more notifications. You can support us on Patreon. Huge shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the show. You can join our supporter tier where you can become an official Pepperhead. And on the Discord server, get access to the Shower Thoughts and Dr. Pepper channels. You can also find us on all major podcasting platforms. Evan, and can we... Uh... Can, I know we're closing up the episode. Can we loop back around to something real quick? Uh, do take it away. Yeah. Uh, on the list of bubble gums that can get absolutely fucked, I just want to add Bazooka Joe. That <laughs> it, it, it sucks. Rock hard. No flavor. Like, what flavor is there? Gone immediately. Uh, Bazooka Joe. What about what about that bubble gum that was exclusively thrown out at parades? Like it was like a yellow oh, wrapper. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's like Tootsie Roll shaped, kind of. Right? Yeah, it was like it was kind of a little bit fatter, but it was it was definitely you unwrapped it had yellow and blue, and oh uh, yep, 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 and you unwrapped it and it was just a no rock. that that was that's you're not meant to eat that that's crowd control candy yeah like they're whipping <laughs> that rock hard candy at people's heads to keep them back it's not God. meant for human consumption I was mistaken this whole time all right all right <laughs> I'm glad we circle back for that. Yeah, no, that was valuable insight, right? Yeah, 100%. On that note, bye-bye. See ya.